0: Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock and happy Wednesday, happy hump day to you. Uh, We have an awesome, awesome show planned for you today. Uh, We're gonna do some harmony, uh, Jim. Uh, No Pastor Bobby this week, he had a a conflict with his schedule, but uh, Pastor Anthony will be here and we're gonna talk about idolatry. And we're gonna, I went to his church two weeks ago and he gave a sermon about idolatry and it sparked in me a conversation I wanted to have with a minister about how I think that uh, we have, particularly black men, have an idolatrous relationship with our mothers. And that uh, we've placed the black mother as an idol who can't be questioned.
1: Uh, so anyway, we'll get uh, into that. Would you mind if I step out while y'all have no. that conversation? Mm. my mama. She ain't going to like this guy. Uh, She really won't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She really won't. Uh, My mother might not either. But also, uh, Greg Couch will be here. Uh, He's written about the American League MVP race. He's got a pretty interesting take that uh, Stephen A. Smith will be the primary person responsible for uh, Shohei Ohtani winning the American League MVP over Vladimir Gamero Jr., who actually deserves it.
1: So you just really gonna give Greg a pass like that? You just gonna yeah. let him just come on your show and talk about baseball.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause this is interesting. Wait till you hear his take. Okay. It's right. very interesting. Uh but before we do any of that, I've got a take. I've got a fire. And we'll actually we'll go down to Jacksonville and we'll bring in friend of the show, Dennis Evans. My, uh, My former uh, sportscaster in Kansas City, Las Vegas, Jacksonville, St. Louis. Anyway, longtime friend of mine, and I, he, he sent me this idea.
1: One of the original players from the old Negro League football league.
0: <laughs> he sent me this idea that we're about to discuss about he thinks that the uh, NFL is unstoppable. You know, everybody thinks that the NFL uh, popularity is going to wane, and Dennis thinks it's unstoppable, and the recent ratings— Kind of support Dennis's theory, mm-hmm. NFL jump, but wait till you hear this fire that I start. Let's bring it to you. And some it. of these things, I, when I get into this fire starter, I was thinking about you as I was uh, doing this. All right. You can't eat comfort food forever. And you think about me, all right. Trust me, <laughs> I've tried. Eventually, it weighs you down, it clogs your arteries, makes your brain sluggish and causes too many other complications to count. My favorite comfort food is chicken wings. Fried, roasted, baked, smoked, grilled, stir-fried, Cajun, dry rub, barbecue, lemon pepper, teriyaki, mild, medium, or hot. Or truffle. Mm. Or, truffle. or truffle, yeah. I'm the Patrick Henry of chicken wings. Give me wings or give me death. Or is that give me wings and give me death? I wonder which one it is. Uh, You know what America's Comfort Food is, Jim? Uh, Racism. (coughs) No. Okay. I tried, (laughs) Who are you, Bomani Jones, now? (laughs) What (laughs) man. You trying to be a woke warrior? No.
1: America's Comfort Food. I ain't Bomani Jones, I got a hairline.
0: (laughs) (laughs) America's Comfort Food is professional football. Mm. Okay. That's the NFL or college. The NFL is gloating over its week one ratings rebound from a year ago. Across its 16-game opening weekend, viewership was up 7% from the 2020 season. The games averaged 17.4 million viewers compared to 16.3 last year. It's the second highest average over the past five seasons. Football is back, baby! It's back! Yeah. That's the message Commissioner Roger Goodell once sounded by its media partners at CBS, Fox, NBC, ESPN, ABC, and Twitter. The NFL survived the Colin Kaepernick coup, the CTE head trauma narrative, the Black Lives Matter insurrection, the COVID chaos, and the Me Too feminist movement. Survived it all. The NFL is Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time, the GOAT, I am the greatest. The league is using a rope-a-dope strategy, <laughs> absorbing punches from Kaepernick, the New York Times, social justice warriors, proponents of the matriarchy, and Big farmers, vaccine dope dealers. You think the NFL is selling its soul, betraying its long-established values and long-supporting traditional sports fans? Goodell believes the league is doing what's necessary to survive. So ownership took a knee to satisfy the Kaepernick loyalists. The NFL softened its rules to appease the journalists who feigned concern over head trauma. The league immersed itself in Marxist social justice slogans to pacify the alphabet mafia. It adopted harsh Provax protocols to placate the pharmaceutical industrial complex. And Goodell's diversity and inclusion army, has decorated its coaching staffs, officiating crews, and executive staffs with just enough women to satisfy the militant matriarchy. Goodell seeks peace through weakness. He's the anti-Caesar trainius Hadrian, mm-hmm. the Roman emperor who coined the phrase, peace through strength. Okay, okay. Goodell has cut deals with all of football's enemies He's bought, he's bought borrowed time. His enemies are executing a long march through the institutions of masculinity. The game's enemies know you can't sustain life on comfort food. Fried chicken and mashed potatoes, spend a minute on your lips, and cause your lifespan to dip. See what I did there? I saw that, yeah, I saw Dip, lip, yeah, people say, it. other people say hip, I said dip. All right, football's rebound is exaggerated. America is turning to its national pastime, seeking comfort and nostalgia. We want reminders of of the life we knew before the great COVID and George Floyd reset. We've been trapped in our homes for 18 months, told to socially distance and avoid big crowds. Watching football and attending games are ways of rebelling against the elitist overlords in government and corporate media. We're kids who have been grounded for two weeks. We're embracing the behavior that got us in trouble in the first place. Watching football feels masculine, rebellious, and unifying. It's not. It's an old habit that's hard to break. It's an old song that doesn't tug at the heart the way it once did. In my 54 years of life, I've had four different all-time favorite songs. Oh boy. Cameo's 1978, Why Have I Lost You, you remember that?
1: Huh? You don't ring one. Sing, sing a verse from uh, No.
0: <laughs> that was replaced by Guy's 1991, Let's chill. Okay, you can sing that. Got you. From the first time. I saw your face. <laughs> Girl, I knew. Up with my jam. Uh, that was replaced by Tech Nines' 2001, This Rain. Got me
1: a top hot fox. <laughs> walks in the Ewok slots.
2: <laughs>
1: this ring, and now it has that. This ring has
0: been recently replaced by Rance Allen's and Kirk Franklin's. Something about the name Jesus. Okay, that is my jam. I listen to that every morning. Uh, things that feel eternal rarely are. Our tastes change with our understanding of life. We move on. I still watch the NFL, but not with the same passion. I'm bothered by what the league represents. It's policies that pressure healthy young men to inject a vaccine that serves no purpose for them. That infuriates me. So does does the playing of a so-called black national anthem before games. Our ancestors, black and white, died so that we could unite under one flag and one anthem. The NFL is imposing segregation. It's also emasculating the game to please people who would never love or understand it. Pro football provides respites of comfort, but its popularity is fading. It's chasing an audience that wants to destroy the game. I'll get what pleasure I can from the game until I can find comfort someplace else. Mm. Jim, what? Any thoughts on that? Do you yes. agree
1: with it? Yeah. I, 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 there's a lot of that I don't agree with. A lot of that you don't agree don't, with. Man, how you going to set up? Look, it, you going to sit up here and talk bad and say you can't live long eating fried chicken and mashed potatoes. <laughs> how, how old are you? <laughs> not old enough. I am I mean, so, so, look, it, it might not be the ideal life, but it, it done got me to 60. <laughs> <laughs> so you can talk bad about the NFL all you want to. The NFL is a double fish sandwich with extra cheese at McDonald's.
0: A double filet of fish sandwich with extra cheese?
1: No. It ain't good for you, but you're you going to get one every now and then.
0: And eventually, Jim, you figure it out and you start making concessions. You, get, you eat less comfort food over time. And that's what's going The NFL is out here on Thursdays, Mondays, Sundays. Later in the season, they're out here on Saturdays. Now they're up to 17 games. they trying to stuff all this damn comfort food down our throats for half the year, three and four days a week. It's not sustainable, particularly when you do everything to piss off your traditional sports fans.
1: You know what I thought about Tuesday? Well, Honest to goodness. Yeah. Tuesday, I, I realized Tuesday evening, I said, damn. Because there's something that happens to us on Tuesday, and what we realize is there's no football on. Right now, I thought about I said, hey, man, you know what? They could put football – why can't they put a football game on Tuesdays and Wednesdays? We already got one on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, my life would be good. So say what you want to. I'm not going to let you talk bad about the NFL. I could do to have me a game, one game Tuesday, one game Wednesday.
0: Let's go out to Jacksonville because I, I, I suspect that uh, Dennis Evans agrees with you, uh, and and because th- this is Dennis's idea. Dennis was arguing something else, and I was like, "Nah, I disagree with that. I I, I don't think this is sustainable." But anyway. Uh, Mr. Evans. You
1: know, when I, before what? I ever met Dennis, you yeah. know I thought his name was that damn Dennis, right? Because <laughs> that's what you always, man, that damn Dennis. <laughs> well, that damn Dennis. Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, that's true. Do you agree, disagree,
3: somewhat agree, uh, you know occasionally agree? Jimmy, you remember the movie Do the Right Thing? Remember in Do the yes, Right Sir. Thing when Sweet Willie... ML and the boys were sitting on the corner and they were talking about... Everybody know why they called him Sweet Vic across, Willie. Yeah, exactly. Across, But no, they were they were talking about the Korean shop that was across the street and was selling them mm-hmm. stuff. And the two other guys were complaining. And they were like, man, I'm tired of going over here and I'm tired of buying my stuff over here. And Sweet Willie got up and said, you know what, you can say what you want to. You can sit around here talking that key Sweat. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You ain't gonna do nothing. I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do I'm gonna walk across here I'm and give it right now light. and what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna sit down on Sunday and I'm gonna watch some NFL football Sunday morning Sunday afternoon Tuesday afternoon whenever NFL comes on I'm gonna watch it you know they always tell NFL players the young guys the NFL stands for not for long for me NFL stands for never freaking leaving it's not going anywhere the NFL is a league that is driven by storylines there's way too many storylines in the one thing that people say is, you know, the, the storylines were getting old. You went through this period where you had Tom Brady and, you know, New England and they were winning everything. Kind of like the same problem that NASCAR had where people just got sick of watching that. It was boring, it wasn't the same thing. But now this is a new NFL. There are so many young, good players in this league, there's so many good storylines. You have Kansas City, you have Patrick Mahomes, you have the quarterback out in San Diego now, you have Buffalo and Josh Allen, you have Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, you have, you know, Lamar Jackson going on up in Baltimore, uh, Baloa going on down in Miami. So everywhere you look, you have good young NFL players. And the one thing I found is when you continue to have all of these young players coming through, you have all of these storylines, football makes you feel good. And we are a society that likes to feel good. We, we thrive off of pleasure. That's what we do. Another thing I've learned is that there's a big difference between words and will. We tend to be a society full of words. We type them online. We say them on television. We talk to our friends about them over the phone. Everybody is big talk. But when it comes down to it, If words and will were the same thing, then we wouldn't be talking about all that comfort food. People would be walking around in Speedos and bikinis instead of wearing long, baggy T-shirts on the weekend with baggy shorts. It comes down to the will. People don't have the will to walk away from football because it just feels too good, man. Football feels right. It makes all of us feel good. It brings communities together. You know, no matter where you move in this country, you're going to wear the jersey of your team. People wake up on Saturday morning talking trash about college football. Sunday, all day, all weekend, people are talking about the NFL. That night, people are bragging and going online, talking trash about what their team did. Between the betting, between the fantasy football, between everything that the NFL has going on, Jason, let me tell you, you might walk away, I'm not going anywhere, and I guarantee you it's about 50 million other people that's going to be sitting right behind me watching the game on a 70-inch OLED, whatever television it is, because football is okay.
1: going.
3: <laughs> I heard you, Jimmy. And re- look, remember I just saw your hairline. Look, look, look,
0: look. Everything Dennis said was nice. It's well put together. Words and will. Uh, never freaking leaving. It's it, it's It's all. It's a beautiful little Pope. De- Dennis, I just want to tell you, only because you've been coming on the show recently. I just want to understand how real and transparent we keep it on this show. It's called Fearless for a reason. I'm not saying this to to put you or Jimmy in a tough spot, but I'm just going to give you an analogy that I think both of y'all can relate to. And I'm going to keep it in music. Uh uh, Like, you know, I've made some musical references, but y'all acting like y'all ain't never been married. And y'all acting like y'all ain't never listen to B.B. King, the thrill is gone. And so I done seen people stand before God, (laughs) before family, friends, and everybody till death do us
1: part. Us do part. (laughs) Whatever. Till death do us part. Us do part. Ain't that right, Dennis? Till death us do part. (laughs) And y'all acting like
0: Y'all don't know. The thrill can be gone. And, and here's why I'm saying the thrill is gone as it relates to the NFL, because a lot of what you, the game and all that they've tweaked it and, and some of us aren't comfortable with it, but we can get beyond that. The issue we have, and I'm relating it to relationships and marriage again. When you don't respect the athletes when that changes, because what has driven football and what has driven sports is, man, we had the athletes on a pedestal, and oh, they represent this and that and all these values, and I can take my kids and say, oh, look, Tom Brady worked so hard to do this, and uh, Tyreek Hill worked so hard to do this, and he did, they did all the right things. The athletes have positioned themselves in a way that the traditional sports fan, someone like myself, and again I'm a former athlete. I love sports. But these modern athletes, the way they have exposed themselves as a group of entitled, narcissistic, publicity-hounding uh social justice clowns, I just don't respect them the way I used to. I used to go to the game and 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 Think the world of a Magic Johnson or whoever was playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Hell, even covering. I I covered the Chiefs and knew the guys personally. And and knew their demons. But I like those guys a lot more. And this ain't me just getting old. I like those guys a lot more than these guys who are out here wagging their finger at the rest of the country and we're going to tell y'all how the criminal justice system should be. We're going to tell y'all when to be upset about uh, when when George Floyd dies or whatever. I I just, I don't, these guys are phonies and they're entitled and they're pampered and, and they don't stand for what they really believe. They're actors and I think that over time, because, again, you in this period right now with, 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 with fans where they sitting around going, oh, they think I don't know. They, they think I don't know what you do every Wednesday night when you say you, uh, you know, you're coming home from work late because of X, Y and Z. And you just they're just sitting back simmering. And eventually them divorce papers are going to get filed. That's just a fact. And, and that, right now, there's a little, it's not a honeymoon period, but it's, it's, it's like a, uh, somebody's thinking about filing for separation. It's, and eventually, it's going to get filed. And, and because they ju- people just don't feel the same way about these athletes that they used to. I know I don't. I hear from too many other sports fans, yes, do we bet the games? Do people play fantasy football
1: and all that? But the thrill is gone. Really? Yeah, That th- that's your best analogy. Yeah. First of all, let me tell you something. When the thrill is gone, you know what happens next? They start cheating in the next room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that that's what happens. That that's what happens. Yeah. Now, you 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 sitting up here talking about cameo and, sh- and and why have I lost you? Yeah. You know what you know what you really should be saying about cameo? What? That that the NFL is strange <laughs> and I like it. <laughs> She's strange just the way she is. If you're gonna do an analogy, why wouldn't you do new edition? Why wouldn't you be like, I don't love her? I tried to tell myself, but you can see it in my eyes. Come on, Dennis. Uh-oh. Uh. I mean, make look, to me, if it's gonna be on a Sunday, the only church song I wanna hear on a Sunday is it's the land of the free <laughs> and the home of the cheese? Better not. I knew it. <laughs> come
0: on, man. Uh, we've heard the musical uh, retort and comeback, back, Dennis. What's, what do you say about my contention that the thrill is gone? What'd you you say to my contention that
1: you start cheating in the next room?
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're giving people way too much credit. The NFL, all the things you're saying about the NFL are strictly a reflection of our society. They're everything. They're all of us. You know, let's take it off the field. Let's leave the players out of this for a minute. Let's talk about Robert Kraft. We're talking about the owner of a team who was going to see his team play in a playoff game. And what he was doing? Do you think fans in New England really cared? That story went away so quickly, got swept under the rug. He got a lawyer and went on about his business, and and it was dropped. So if we're gonna talk about the players. He said he we got, got swept under the, the oh, We have to talk about. <laughs> we got to talk about everybody's <laughs> behavior, and that goes. That's where I get the words thing from. You know, how do you think? Only fans and all these sites are still up. They're not up just because you have, you know, Joe the mechanic going or, you know, whoever they consider the bad guy that's going to sneak in there and, and sneak online late at night. They are doing millions and millions of dollars because it's your doctor, it's your lawyer, it's your neighbor, and you might mess around and catch a minister on there depending on where you go to church. So the point being— It's about what people do. And people might say, oh, I don't respect these guys. I feel this way. I feel that way. But at the end of the day, on Sunday, people sit down and watch. You don't. I had a girl tell me one time, she's like, you know, I don't like the things that these players do. Okay, that's fine. I said, well, why don't you just stop watching? She goes, because I like football. I love football. I love my team. And I'm going to keep coming back. And Jason, people are going to keep coming back just as sure as I'm going to keep on eating ribs. I, I don't care that a smoothie and kale's better. I'm going to eat ribs. Occasionally, not with
0: the same level of enthusiasm you used to. I, I'm, I'm going to go to your Robert Kraft analogy, and, and this is just me keeping it real. The mistake Robert Kraft got busted doing, that's relatable. Pe- people can relate to that, men and women. Yeah, that doesn't mean they approve, but they like, mm There go I, but the grace of God. And they they can see themselves making that mistake, or getting caught up that way. Happy endings are quite popular across the globe. What isn't popular is sitting in America, the greatest country in the history of the planet, making millions of dollars, living the dream life, having access to all those happy endings that the athletes and the ownership and the coaches and all that have. And you 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 pissing on this country. People can't relate to that. Not traditional football and sports fans. It makes you look like an ungrateful clown. And over time, look, man, there's been horse racing used to be the king of all sports. Boxing used to be the king of all sports. Baseball used to be the king of all sports. The NFL is not forever. They did some calculated things, Pete Rosell and them, attaching the league to patriotism and making you feel like the most American thing you can do is watch these guys beat their brains out and it's just like war and, and you support your team like it's your country and all that. And to watch Colin Kaepernick and a bunch of entitled confused social media addicted idiots divorced the league from that brand over time there's going to be a, a price to pay for that it can't just be that cuz cuz right now what it's surviving off of things have been so abnormal in my view that people are just like rushing like I want to go have a social experience where we feel good about the country and we feel good about ourselves. And I want to and basically I want to give a a finger and rebel against the authoritarian government that's trying to tell us, don't leave your house, wear a mask, don't get go. Don't have a good time. Right now, everybody's seeking that comfort of normalcy. But over time. And, and I really don't think, uh, over the next 10 years, I think you're gonna, we'll be looking up and be like, damn, football is off its pedestal, and we all have to admit that.
1: Really? Really what? That, 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 that's the best you got, man. <laughs> hey, Dennis, <laughs> let me, Dennis, you. Dennis, let me tell you something. I, I, I'm gonna yeah. leave Jason out of this, cause he's on a I- diet from From food and from the NFL, okay? <laughs> just listen to me for a minute, Dennis yeah Arby's has a a Philadelphia cheese steak. man, okay. you get that Philadelphia cheesesteak and put extra cheese on it, Just come on right. man. you get the cheese poppers you you, you get the cheese poppers with with, with, with the, with, with the uh, uh, Bronco with the Bronco berry sauce. <laughs> hey man, I'm going to keep eating that right. I'm going to keep on eating. Now, I don't care what you say, Jason. I know you're on a diet, and I know you don't want to hear about that. So I'm not going to tell you about the Monday night games and what I ate and what happened. But me and Dennis are going to be participating.
0: Yes, yes, sir. And, you, know, but you, know, you keep the- going to jokes because you, you can't he, he, he can't refute mm-hmm. what I'm saying. And Dennis, I'm starting to be a little suspect of you. Can't, y- y'all can't no, refute I, what I, I'm I saying.
3: Because everything you're saying, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you're talking 10 years down the line, to be honest with you, you and other people said that about the NFL three, four, five years ago. And we're still sitting here and ratings are on the rise and they're gonna continue to go up. They got good storylines, they have good players, they have an unlimited supply of people. Football makes people feel good. And we live in a country where people do things that make them feel good. They might be ashamed of it, they might tell somebody they don't do it, People might say, "Man, I ain't never eaten McDonald's. I don't go to McDonald's. Go past McDonald's at noon any day of the week. Go past there on a Saturday. They got two lines. They had to divide it and make it to where it's two lines because that's how many people want to get up in there and get a no. big snack, get that filet of fish, that McRib, whatever it is you're getting. People are there." That's what the NFL, they are not putting football on Thursday nights. They're not expanding it and making it to where it's 17 games because they don't think people are going to watch. They know what they're doing. The NFL knows what it's doing, whether you like it, whether you don't like it. I will give them credit for this. They have built a brand that is a monster. And we will re- revisit this sitting in chairs 15 years from now having a drink. And I'll tell you, we'll still be watching and talking about the NFL because it's not going anywhere and the fans aren't going anywhere. Look. McDonald's. I
0: eat a lot less of it than I used to. A lot less. I don't think I had McDonald's in two months now. Uh, (laughs) And and used to... Look, at some point, you figure it out, and I'm just telling you, as it relates to football, I'm just telling you, for... I, 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 I hate to admit, or I think I admitted this on Monday, that When Baltimore kicked that field goal with thirty some odd seconds to go, I turned my TV off. I thought the game was over, and 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 when I found out that you know I missed this crazy overtime and ending and all that other stuff, I was a little disappointed. But the old me, you couldn't have got me to turn off the TV with thirty some odd seconds to to play. You couldn't.
1: I'm just the old you would have been in a food coma. Jimmy, you know what I'm calling it. you, J- Jason. You're starting to remind me
3: of Frank the Tank. You Frank the Tank. Come on, everybody, let's streak through the quad. We're running through the quad, and you turn around. There ain't nobody behind you, Jason. You running by yourself. You you're running away from football, but you know that move old school you like Frank the Tank. You're running through the quad and you, you, you think it's a crowd behind you. And Come on, everybody. We're going away from football eventually. And you're gonna turn around and be buck naked in the middle of the street and there ain't gonna be
1: nobody standing behind you but the police. Dennis, I, I, I'm gonna go here with Jason. He's gonna get mad at me. He's gonna get mad <laughs> at me. The NFL is interracial, interracial dating. Oh. And brothers have no intentions upon giving up them pink toes. You understand me? We've been talking about it for 20 years. We ain't giving them up.
0: (laughs) Jim, you would have been better off going with a pork analogy.
1: No, I tried to go somewhere. Come on now.
0: You want to be relatable? (laughs) Yeah,
1: come on. Come on, you you you've been jumping around a little. Come on, man. Let's stop. You right, ain't giving it up. <laughs>
0: you know what? I had more I wanted to say, but you know, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can recover from from that analogy. I, you should have stuck with. I thought you were gonna go with
1: bacon. I really did. I thought you was gonna go with bacon. I had to bring it a little more closer to home, Jay. <laughs> you, you 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 was doing a whole lot of you was doing a whole lot of slipping and sliding <laughs> with the bacon. Right. right. <sighs> oh man. Am I done with this conversation? You know what? I'm going
0: I I want the viewers in the audience to settle this. These two guys, they've been humorous. I've made a couple of good points, but anybody watching this, listening, knows that. I made the substantive points here. Could you go in the comments?
1: You are not asking them people for YouTube. Yeah. You are I'm, not asking that group of savages on YouTube to
0: to go in the comments
1: to get that work,
0: right? Now to get that work and put and tell Dennis and Uncle Jimmy why I'm right and they're wrong that yes, we're still watching football, but the passion is not there. Just just you know what? All you got to do, you ain't got to write no long thing. Just just type in, the thrill is gone. That's all you got to do. Just type in, cheating in the next room. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer. Either put the thrill is gone in the comments, or put yeah. cheating in the next room in the comments. <laughs> exactly. We'll do this. We'll, we, and you know what? We may have to do this debate again after I go read the comments, and hopefully some people have left some good comments. Anyway... All right, let me tell you about my good friends at Good Rancher. You've been struggling to provide a good quality meal to your family. Then our friends over at Good Ranchers are the answer that you've been looking for. With food being sourced from 100% American farm-raised chicken, pork, and beef, and their excellent seafood choices, they have many options to choose from to delight everyone in your family. They bring a quality of food and standard that you cannot get from your local grocery store and you can have all of their delicious food which comes individually wrapped and seasoned delivered straight to your front door. If you subscribe you'll get $20 off and free express shipping. Get steakhouse quality for less than five dollars per meal. Go to GoodRanchers.com fearless to get $20 off and free express shipping. That's GoodRanchers.com fearless. Welcome back. All right, let's keep it rolling. Uh, Let's go out to Chicago. Greg Couch has written a fascinating column about that. Like when I read this this morning, I was like, wow, I hadn't thought about that. Shohei Ohtani can thank Stephen A. Smith and Social Justice Warriors for his soon bestowed AL MVP award. I. I, I don't know if I can do this argument justice. I'm not going to try to uh, encapsulate. I'm going to let Greg explain it because it totally caught me by surprise, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Vladimir Guerrero
2: Jr. should be the MVP? Sure. I mean, he's r- real close to winning the Triple Crown. He would have the, He's leading the league in home runs. He's leading the league in batting average, and he's only six RBIs behind. And Toronto was six and a half games out of first out of the wild card on August 27th. And now they're already into the top spot in the wild card. I mean, and it's almost all on Guerrero. That's that's what value is. I mean, Shohei Otani is an amazing player. He's having an incredible Babe Ruth kind of year. He's second in the league in home runs and he's started 20, 25 games. It's incredible what he's doing. But he's on a team that's in second to last place. And, you know, they're they're. They're, they have no chance of going to the playoffs and that's exactly where they would be whether he were on the team or not. Okay, so how valuable can he be? And I just feel like there's a, there's a social issue going on here. You know, There's a like strange amount of things going on with you know the, the, the Asian hate and the uh, Twitter mob that wants social justice for everything and, and plans to cancel everybody who doesn't stand up for the same things they stand up for and the media who always suck up to Twitter and you take all those things together – And then you take Stephen A. Smith talking about Otani earlier in the year in July saying, oh, he can't be the face of baseball if you have to have an interpreter there so that you can understand what the hell he's saying. And that set off the Twitter mob. And now here we go all these couple weeks, couple months later. And what you have is this guy's going to win the MVP even though he doesn't deserve it. There's sort of this guilt feeling. There's sort of this pressure from the Twitter mob to give him the MVP, but he doesn't really deserve it, in my opinion. I mean, he's having an amazing year. I'm not trying to put him down. But Guerrero, if he wins the Triple Crown, there's never been anyone to win the Triple Crown and take your team to the postseason and not be named the MVP. And if they do that to Guerrero now, it, it, it's just a political reason. It's, it just doesn't work. It's, it's not right. The, the only thing, because I think your argument
0: is sound, I th- and it was, it's fascinating that Stephen A. Smith, the controversy that he got caught up in yeah. is gonna guilt trip the rest of the media into voting for Otani for MVP. The, the only thing that, that where I'm uncomfortable is, I don't think Stephen A. Smith said anything controversial or, or offensive I know he apologized for it. I know Twitter made him apologize for it. But saying that the face of your league, an American league, baseball, can that uh, a guy that doesn't speak good English can't be the face of your league, I just don't find that offensive because I guarantee you in China or some other country or wherever they, they play basketball in Russia and all these other places, they say, well, that American can't be the face of the league, can't be the biggest star of the league. The only time I've seen it where it works, I think, is with Stefan Marbury over in China, where you know, he became the biggest star in the Chinese league and they built statues and monuments for him. But for the most part, that's common sentiment in any home country. In order to take your league to the highest level, you need a home country star to, to lead that. And so that, that's my only quibble is I agree with you that the social justice warriors uh, over social media and the blue check media crowd are, will <laughs> all be afraid not to give it to Otani uh, right. because oh, that, that's racism or Asian hate, but it, it, we act like Vladimir Guerrero is, is Mike Trout or Mickey Mantle or Babe Ruth. <laughs> uh, Vladimir <laughs>
1: Guerrero, he, isn't he a person of color? Isn't he a minority? First of all, Greg, before you respond to this now, before you respond to this, let me say something to you. Now, yesterday I made the comment because and I compared you to Eli Manning. Okay. thanks. So if you Eli Manning, that would mean Jason. Of course, he thinks he's Peyton Manning. (laughs) What I need to tell you right now and see, you you heard me when I said that. And I made the analogy that I said, Greg is like Roman noodles. Yeah. That you need need to put some hot sauce in it to spice it up. Did you hear Greg? Did you hear him say hell? (laughs) Did you hear Greg use the word hell a little bit ago? I did not. Yes, he did. Greg stepped out on the line and said hell. So that means he's spicing it up a little bit. I said that to you, Greg, to tell you that this is the moment where you draw back and slap the hell out of Jason. (laughs) And go ahead and tell him exactly. Prove your point right now. Slap the hell out of him. (laughs) <laughs> draw back. Come on, draw back, Greg.
0: <laughs> do it like you're fixing your hair. That's what Jimmy was
2: <laughs> laughing about before. <laughs> there it is. Come on now. Well, look, what you just said about Stephen A., I, I think I actually agree with, but I don't even see what that has to do with my point. I mean, Stephen A., you're right. I mean, in mm. America... We want to have Americans to cheer for. The Americans don't tend to cheer for foreign athletes. I mean, they do a little bit, but it's, it's rare to have the face of a sport be someone who doesn't speak the American and speak English. But I don't see what difference that makes to the point. I mean, the point is the Twitter mob jumped all over Stephen A. In fact, it en- enhances my point because even if Stephen A didn't say anything wrong, the Twitter mob jumped all over him and made Stephen A get down on his knees and start begging for forgiveness. So you know, the, here we are. That's the same Twitter mob that's about to make Otani the MVP. I'm going to tell you what it has to do with your point. Hmm. Is in your
0: column, you criticized Stephen A. Smith and made it sound like he said something stupid and inappropriate. I'm not making the point. You made the point in your column. And and that's what I'm saying. That's the only thing I dispute. (laughs) You acted like you went along with the crowd and acted like Stephen A. Smith said something out of bounds. Uh, You know, I think you started the column off ripping Stephen A., not that I got a problem with that, but, you know, Stephen A. Smith, who is paid to blow V8 and set off yeah. Twitter, mocked Shohei Ohtani, Uh And then there's other – I can't find the rest
2: of it, but, you know. Yeah, you, I know what you're saying. You made it I seem see like Stephen A. went out of bounds. I said what he said was dumb, and it was. Look what, look what it led to. I mean, he has, like I said, he's down on his knees begging for forgiveness. And, yeah, it seems to have hurt uh, Asian people, especially in a time of Asian, you know, hate crisis. And I'm not trying to, to downplay that, but, I mean – there's a lot going on here, you know, including Stephen A's, like, I, like you just pointed out, I said in my column, Stephen A's job is to cross the line or to try not to cross the line. And he was dumb because he crossed the line. Whether he was right or wrong, he crossed the line of what's acceptable. And, yeah, maybe he's right, but he crossed the line and he had to beg for forgiveness. That's not really his, his mojo to, uh, you know, sit here and beg. So, uh, yeah, Greg, I don't see it.
0: If, if, if I came out today and said, today is Wednesday, and I don't like Wednesdays, Twitter could oh, man, you crossed the line. They're drawing the line, and they're drawing us all into a little corner of things we can and cannot say. And so who can predict what the line is? You used to be able to say that. Uh, people have been saying that forever, and they keep drawing the line closer and closer and closer, and everybody keeps getting backed into a corner where you can't say anything. And so all you can do is go on TV and have fake, bogus conversations. And you know what you can say? Oh, man, the the police is hunting us down like wild animals. You can say that and no one will care. Oh, yeah, that's right. Police is hunting down black people like wild animals. And that's great. And you'll get a bunch of Twitter applause and retweets. But if you say something true and authentic, anything remotely close to the truth, if you're Nicki Minaj, and, and want to tell a story about a family member whose testicles are swollen. They, they want to, oh, you crossed the line. We got to cancel Nicki Minaj. That, that's, you know, so I, yeah, I'm but, just, I, I'm going to defend Stephen A on this one. And, and yeah, but, I'll defend you on your column overall, because you're right. Uh, maybe O'Tani's going to win this MVP, and he doesn't deserve it.
2: I mean, but part of what Stephen A did. Is part of the way he said it. You know, we have to here I have an interpreter there so we can understand what the hell he's saying. There it is. I said hell again. But,
0: <laughs> <laughs> see what I'm saying? That's my guy. Check him out. Yeah, you spicing him
1: up, Jim. I'm a, <laughs> say it with your chest out, Greg. Go ahead.
2: No collar today?
1: Say somebody's mama. Go ahead. <laughs> your mama wear combat boots. <laughs> your mama got a wooden leg with a kickstand on <laughs> She got a mouth on the back of her neck and she chewed like this. Oh my God. I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. You
0: know how you know if your if your grandmama's a good cook? How's that? You can get maple syrup out of one bicep and bacon grease out of the other.
1: You know why your mama always had plastic all over the couch? Uh-uh. Huh? Uh-uh. Because she was a squirter. Uh-huh. Hey man.
0: My grandmama had plastic you on her. I mean, your partner. grandmama
1: was a squirter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pastor Anthony's out there, Jill. You don't cross the line. You like Stephen A. Smith. You don't cross the line. You used to be able to say that, though. Now, <laughs> now you can't. All right, we got to move to harmony. Jimmy's made this show X-rated. Greg, <laughs> thank you. Great job. Thanks. All right, our friends from Bonner Private Wines have traveled the world to bring us all the best possible wine. Their worldwide journey led them down to Argentina, and it's here that they found the best Malbec grapes grown at the highest altitudes. Their wines are truly unique and much better than the normal variety of wines you get at the supermarket. They're perfect for a night among friends and family or for a day of hanging out by the grill. And they pair amazingly well with great steak or some Italian pasta. The guys over at, Pri- or over at Bonner Private Wines have cracked the code when it comes to getting these rare wines to Americans, and you need to try them for yourselves right now. Visit BonnerPrivateWines.com fearless, and you'll get 50, 50% off the wine and 50% off shipping. Just visit BonnerPrivateWines.com slash fearless. That's Bonner, B-O-N-N-E-R, PrivateWines.com slash Fearless. All right, welcome back. Time for some harmony. It's Wednesday. Uh, we're joined by Pastor Anthony Walker from Renew.org, his partner in crime. Uh, Pastor Bobby Harrington not with us today. He's got a schedule conflict. Uh, Pastor Walker, I got to get you to start with a prayer because in the last segment, Uncle Jimmy said some things we need to clear the air from and invite uh, God in here to clean up some of the things Uncle Jimmy said
4: uh, (laughs) while we were waiting on you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to Share in your presence. Father, we pray that all that we say and do is pleasing in your sight. Bless those that are tuning in. Bless their lives and those with whom they're connected. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Uh, Jim. What?
0: I visited Pastor Walker's church. Right.
4: Uh, two weeks
0: ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I got it. I was impressed. I, I enjoyed He bragged
1: it. about it. He <laughs> bragged about it. Honestly, he did. Yeah, my word. Yeah, he
4: did. <laughs> I did. Now, I'm going to tell you, if, if you had come back at the beginning of 2020, you wouldn't have had a seat. Oh, uh, We were we were packed running two services. You wouldn't have had a parking spot. Uh, but since the pandemic, you know, it's brought our numbers uh, back down in person. And we still have online, but in person, you wouldn't have been able to sit in there. And you had a nice mm-hmm.
0: group and crowd Are you concerned at all that 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 overwhelming crowd or that big is never coming back? Are you concerned?
4: I I don't think that it's going to come back soon Um, to have those tight numbers. Again, there's a stigma about being close. There's a stigma of close proximity in buildings. And so, you know, even if they come out tomorrow, COVID's done. We're completely free. There will still be some hesitance to kind of come in. Uh, we're trying to tap into getting people more personally involved because people go to work, they go to the grocery store. Uh, and I think that our churches do a lot more than the grocery store and your job as far as safety is concerned. But because of that stigma, uh, it'll it'll take some time.
0: That that scares and concerns me because I, I don't can, I don't think you can be as effective not face to face and being able to read people's body language. It's one thing to have a member tell you, Hey, I need to talk. I got an issue, but, and then you can grab their hand, look them in the eye. And it just, that, that kind of scares me. If, if a stigma remains around being clo- in pro- close proximity and, and churches all go online.
4: You know, it's it's tough because that's what our faith is all about. It's about being close. It's about touching. Uh, Some of the most climactic moments in Jesus's ministry was him touching. You know, he touched a leper. And that that would have been, you know, that's crazy. Why would you do that? But the leper is made clean because of Jesus touching him. So even with our visiting, the word in the Bible, visit uh, means to lay your eyes upon. You know, I can't really visit you through Zoom. I can't visit you through an online service. Uh, You know, it's one thing to look people, as you mentioned, to look them in their eye, to see that they may be crying inside and smiling on the outside. I need to see that. Uh, and there's something about being together, uh, singing together, worshiping together uh, that is paramount and important, uh, as the Bible tells us to.
0: I, I want to get to our topic today. And it's what you preached about two Sundays ago when I, I visited your church. And it struck, you, you, I told you after the sermon, I was like, oh, man, you, you, you taught my favorite topic, idolatry. <laughs> And yes. and you know, I've always been my reputation as a journalist with iconoclast. Mm-hmm. That you know, I love to take on icons and chop them down to size. That was my reputation as a sports writer, and that's kind of my mentality. And so, this whole era we're in of of these larger than life idols and athletes and celebrities and they all are influenced and they're telling us athletes, celebrities telling you where you should get vaxxed, they're telling you whether you shouldn't get vaxxed, they're telling you who to vote for, mm-hmm. all these special. And it's, it's, me- so before I dig a little deeper, I want you to summarize the sermon I heard two weeks ago about why, you know, why we need to be careful with this
4: idolatrous culture we have right now. Um, you know, just as we define terms, um, an idol. Uh, is anything that we place over God, any any person, any place, uh, in, any thought, any mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even ourselves, we can be idols. So when we put anything over God, that becomes an idol. Uh, the issue and the problem, as I was preaching that day about idols, is that they're empty. They're not real. They're false. So as you're pouring into this idolization of things, it really doesn't deliver like the one true God can. So when we think about, I had a passage of scripture I wanted to look at. When we think about what God did as he delivers Israel from Egypt, they had been in bondage for years. They had lost relationship with God and God's, the first two commandments uh, as mentioned in Exodus, I want to read this. And God spoke All these words saying, I'm the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You got to consider Israel had been in bondage. They're seeing all of these Egyptian gods, a God with an eagle head, a God of an insect, all these different gods and idols. God says and commands, you shall have no other gods before me. That's nothing else. Not people places, things you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven or above that is on earth beneath or what is in the water on the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I, the Lord God am a jealous God. And, and the jealousy of God is not like our jealousy. Our jealousy is an obsessive je- jealousy. You know, who are you talking to? What are they talking about? God's jealousy is a possessive jealousy. I'm God. You're mine. There's nothing else literally that can compare to me as God. How dare you put anybody in that place? So as it relates to God, if he's not number one, take him off the list. He's not going to be number two, number three, number four. If I'm not going to be your number one, just take me off the list. And so one of the other comments
0: I said to Jim when I left your church, and I I think I called my mother, and maybe my brother, and I was sharing. The other thing I liked about your church, and and again, I hope it comes off correctly to to women or whatever, but I liked how many men were involved. Mm -hmm. And that—because it seemed like there were six or seven different guys Mm that— The microphone and had played different roles, and even the guy that was leading the church in song when I first came in and throughout the, the service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, as I had said, I think to you and Bobby previously, that like when I was in college, one of the things that attracted me to the Nation of Islam was the masculinity mm-hmm. and like male leadership. And I felt like at your church, I saw that reflected, I was like, "I like this yeah and and now I'm going to dig deeper and, sure. and say one of the things, because service was great, but I go to in terms of i've been I feel like the we have placed. Black mothers, and I don't, because I had the great, other than Mary, I had the greatest mother that's ever been on the face of the earth, so I want to be clear about
4: that. we got a debate it. with you, but yeah,
0: okay. okay. We can debate, we, <laughs> we can debate that. And I had a great one, mm-hmm. but I think we've placed the black mother, she's in an idolatrous position, and she's worshiped, can't be questioned, and and one of the things I said as a kid, I believe Roots came out in 1978, and I was just a kid then. Uh, and in Roots, Kunta Kinte, in the first episode of Roots, he went off for manhood training. Mm-hmm. And when he came home, his mother had to treat him differently as a man, and she was no longer above him, he was actually in this above her, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and I, as a kid, I started talking about that, and it, it's it's something that's in me. Like as a grown man, as someone who takes care of my mother, and and I'm a boss now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She struggles with that, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I never back off of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I, anyway, have we? Am I wrong with my instincts are like? Have we put? the black mother in an idolatrous position to where that's out of line and unhealthy perhaps.
4: I think historically they have had to assume that role. Mm -hmm. And, and because of that, and what I mean by that role, um, when God created Adam and and from Adam, he makes Eve that pairing scripture says that a husband leaves his mother and wife cleaves, uh, leaves his mother and father cleaves to his wife. That image in the family structure is a godlike image. You've got his male leadership. You've got her nurturing and loving. All of that represents God. God is nurturing towards us. He leads us sternly. He protects us, et cetera. So a child in that kind of home would receive a godlike image from their unity because they become one just as God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit are one. They can see our kids can see that. If he's out of the picture, and I'm just gonna use that example, if he's out of the picture, now she has to assume the role of both a leader, protector, provider, as well as nurturer. So to the kid, she is a godlike figure. Mm. Even in, in, in my experience, you talk about your mom, you know, my father tragically passed away when I was two. He had a heart issue. My mom, she went into a deep depression with that, went on a different journey for a while. So I was raised by my grandmother. I have aunts and uncles that are like five and you know, nine years older than me. So I'm raised in her house. Those are her kids and they respond to her a particular way. I'm her grandkid, but I'm raised as her kid. She is and was still, to the, she's like a godlike figure. It, but it was because of her teaching me God's plan that understands, hey, at some point, I'm going to have to be a man. You know, I can't be like that. But if you take other scenarios like that, so often big mamas and grannies and all that, Gigi, they have to be a God like figure. And so there's a nuance in reverencing, loving, honoring her as, you know, the one that raised me. But by the same token, You can't be my God. okay? God is God and God has given me a role. God has given you a role. And I've got to reverence him first. Love and respect you. But nobody, nobody, not even granny and big mama can take that role.
0: The other the other thing I would say or I I suggest and more than happy to bow to your wisdom uh, is that at some point. That boy in that family has to be taught and understand that at some point you're going to have to be the man yes. and you're going to have to perhaps sometimes tell your mama no and perhaps not say everything she wants to hear and 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 you're not a bad son because of that right and and literally that is and I'm I'm telling mm-hmm. you other than Mary I had the best mother but like that's the issue that sometimes happens between me and my mother is like, she don't want to hear no from me. Mm -hmm. She don't want to hear me, nah, I'm gonna do it this way Mm because you know what, Mm -hmm. I I hate to say it mama, but I know better than you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I can't have you get offended about that. You provided a great foundation. My father was very involved as well, but my mother provided a heck of a foundation to launch me and my brother into the world And to see things and do things and be educated in a way that she was not able to. Mm -hmm. But you can just she's immersed in a culture and friends and other that mama is still everything, Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. if the kids is 40, 50, 60 years old. Yes. And and she my mother's kind of the outsider because my brother, maybe not as bad as me, but. He runs his show mm-hmm. as well. And, and uh, she's kind of the outsider. And, and so it, it. So am I right in
4: terms? No, you're, you're you're on it. Um, I can give you another example biblically, Paul and Timothy. OK, Timothy, his dad wasn't in his life spiritually, probably not a lot in his life as well. But his faith foundation started with his grandmother and it was passed to his mom and it was passed to him. But in order for him to develop as the man that God wanted him to be, Paul became his spiritual father. It takes a man to confirm manhood. Women can't do that. It takes a man to do that. So there's a, a point that your mom is only going to be able to lead you with all the wisdom, knowledge and experience she has. She's never walked in the responsibility that a man has. So that has to transition somewhere and it has to transition in your life as a young man. Yeah, it, it has to transition from you being a young man being raised to now a man that's going to lead and walk down a path to also inspire and, and raise other you know, men uh, going forward. So, yeah, that transition happened biblically. It has to happen. And again, under that idolatry piece. Nobody can take that role. God has to be it. And God sets that order. God sets the order for men, for women. He sets their roles and we've all got to respect that. So yeah, even like I say, even in my scenario, my granny, the best, my mom, the best, but they both knew in order for me to be what I needed to be, I got to find some spiritual men to confirm that because I can't do it. And so the... What I
0: picked up from your church, and the, is that all by design in terms of yes, you sharing the microphone with all these other guys? I mean, because yes. it presents a really powerful. It's a subtle message that you, you if mm-hmm. you're observing at all,
4: you, you can't miss. Well, it's it's not by my personal design; it's by God's design mm-hmm. that that men lead. Okay, uh, one of the things I think we talked about on an earlier episode that I did when we got there was establishing our men's retreat and really establishing a men's ministry around that because God gave this responsibility all the way back in the Garden of Eden to man. The responsibility of the condition of the world was on Adam. And even though Eve was first deceived, when God shows up on the scene, Adam, where are you? And even to this day, I know where culture has gone. I know how things have shifted and all these kind of things and time and things have gone by. As God looks at the condition of the world, where are you, Adam? This is your doing. You let this get out of hand. You let this get in a condition. So if we're going to get it back right, it starts with us. And so within our congregation, uh, we have a lot of great men and, and those men leading forward. The women see that the families see that the kids see that. That's that's one of the things I enjoy about it is that all the kids in our congregation can look and see, man, here are some godly men trying to do uh, what God has called them to do. It sets the entire tone for the congregation.
0: I'm going to ask you a tough question because, I mean, you're you're saying some things that are really interesting to me. The responsibility. Where is Adam? Yes. Falls on. Man. Yes. Yes. What do you say about this culture we have globally? It's not Mm -hmm. just America, Mm -hmm. but it seems like all the pressure and push is on. No, no, no. Y'all got to let these women help carry the burden, half the burden or have them out front in leadership. That seems to be the priority and the
4: prerogative right now. Mm -hmm. Is that proper? That's the way the culture is going. That's interesting. That's good for the culture. But as God looks at the condition of the world, he's never blamed the culture. He's always come back to his people. So as it relates to men now, yes, when you go back to Genesis chapter one and chapter two, God made Eve as a helper for Adam. So there are a lot of areas and a lot of great things that women do in helping Adam, helping man again to get this world back in harmony with God. But but as the way the culture's gone, and you know how the pendulum has swung back and forth, I'm not so much concerned about the culture of the world as I am about the culture of what God has called us to do. So we've got to step up to get this thing back in line. And when we do, it'll all fall back to how God wanted it to be, but we've got to do it.
0: I, I see a note here uh, True guidelines for sex and marriage. Is there
4: something you had prepared? I, thought, I figured that was with the show, but as it relates to um, how, because aren't you going to be talking about like a fornication piece? That's how,
0: okay. Okay, that's okay we'll, what, go, we'll go that, there. That is because I, I, someone, uh, it came to my mind last week. I saw someone talking about mass incarceration and all the damage is done. Mm-hmm. And, and, I I was one of the first people to read or, you know, early on read uh, Michelle Alexander's book. Michelle Alexander, I consider, you know, someone I look up to because of her book, Mass Incarceration, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But it made me say last week, I was like, well, you know, mass fornication has probably done far more damage than mass incarceration. Mm. and That mass fornication has probably led to mass incarceration, probably, and because when we and what I mean by mass, for it's just like all this illicit sex and and sex outside of marriage that we've all normalized now. Everybody, you know, living with somebody before you get married, and certainly, you know, having sex with them before you get married, and swiping left and right on Tinder and having sex, it's all been normalized. Sex mm-hmm. is nothing to, and the more fornication and just sex outside marriage has been normalized. The more kids we have growing up in broken homes, mm-hmm. baby mama, baby daddy homes, grandmama homes, whatever. And the primary caregivers, the two people God set up to develop the kid mm-hmm. have, have almost been one or both have been removed from the process. Yeah. And and that has created more chaos, I think, in the world than anything. Mm-hmm. And
4: I just I don't what does the Bible say? What 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 are the fornication uh, simply defined biblically is sex outside of marriage, just completely there. Now, we get into adultery when you deal with who's doing that. But that creates, as you're pointing out, it creates a lot of problems emotionally, psychologically, there are some ties. The the tie of marriage and the bond of marriage was to be established before intimacy comes into the place.
1: Mm.
4: That that, that foundation has already been there. And that's a bond that's tied between husband, wife, and God before intimacy shows up on the scene. But when you introduce intimacy, now there is a A bond that's been created between two people that's only tied together by lust. That's not going to last. Okay, that's that was impulse. That was wild night. That was whatever. And now as a baby comes out of this, well, I wasn't really planning about having a kid. or This was I was just thinking about one night because of our selfish indulgence. Now we've set off a path. But I want, I want you to look at this passage of scripture. I think is going to be interesting as it relates to the topic of the segment in Colossians chapter three, verses five through seven. Paul says, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. He's talking about things that are tearing us apart, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. That's what that's what Paul says. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming up on the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. So even sex can become an idol. And now because we are tied into do what you want, do it if it feels good as much as you like it. Now you're creating this bond with all these different people, all these different partners. More and more you lose who you really are in identity. And we go through all of that. It it creates a mess. And so when we go back to see God's intention all the way back to the garden, Adam, you developed a relationship with God. You had responsibility and purpose that God gave you long before a woman's on the scene. And now when she comes along, this foundation has been set up so that when children are introduced, they see a godlike image in the parents. The parents are bonded before kids are on the scene, before intimacy. It sets us off on a right path. I'm going to
0: tell you one of the realizations and it's embarrassing that, you know, I had to get. This old to figure it out, but I can remember years ago. Uh, woman, I was dating. She was reading a book. I think T.D. Jakes had a book about soul ties, and and I can remember her reading, it and I can remember, yeah, that applies to women, <laughs> and not realizing that it yes. applied to me. Yes. And 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 one of the main reasons, Jim, and I don't know if, I, but it's like, one, I, I just I got to get out of Los Angeles, and because I had a soul tie there. And it's still haunting me. I've been gone a year. It still haunts me to this day. It's because, you know, a I, I, bunch of reasons. I came here to Nashville and to just get closer back to my base and home. And But one thing that I know now, that even as I date, socialize, whatever, I'm haunted by, oh, I want somebody that can do what she did. Mm-hmm and how she made me feel. Mm-hmm. And they're not these aren't godly thoughts. They they're things that, you know, I've experienced and enjoyed and now they're haunting me and haunt, they're clouding my vision about what I'm really looking for and uh, you know, stupidly as a man, you sit there and oh, th- "That's <laughs> women." Mm. You know, it, it haunts, because, and look, I got to, you know, there's several of these soul ties and just things that I'm haunted by that cloud my vision and, you know, I struggle with all the time. And, and I, I, people, we get, we so caught up in sex and, and we've painted this picture like, well, if you just put this condom on, you got nothing to fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm it's a bit more complicated than that.
4: (laughs) That that vulnerable, intimate space, God prepared for the bounds of marriage. Outside of that, it gets messy. Hmm. It gets messy. It gets emotionally messy, psychologically messy. And those are just consequences. Now, if you think back to whoever that was or whatnot, imagine if the relationship is established on a foundation of faith. It's united and tied in the bonds of marriage. Now when intimacy is introduced, wow, this, is, this just continues to get better as the whole marriage looks versus it was just kind of tied together by some loose threads. And now when you take that apart, well, wait, do we really feel this way about, well, do I really, I don't know. And I, well, what about the next person? All of that comes about because of what God showed us. And He's he's got a perfect way. The world's going to think we're backwards. The world's going to think, oh, you guys don't, that was old, that was traditional. But let God do his thing.
1: Jim, I, we're about to wrap, unless you got something. No, uh, I, actually, I, I do want to say this. Uh, if I could go back to, we were talking about mothers and talk cause, you, you said that you, you know, you, you, your mother was there uh, next to Mary. You talked about your mother. And I think when we talk about young men. Uh, if you take a young black man and he doesn't have a father, mm-hmm. okay, so he doesn't have that. So we should have a mother. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I have, I found myself, nobody ever told me this, but I have to teach my 15-year-old son this. Nobody told me this, but I have to say to him, son, sometimes... A woman will lie to you. And sometimes that woman will be your mother. You know, sometimes your mother will look you in your face and say, oh, baby, I will never do anything to hurt you. Well, what about that man you bought in the house that you left here? There's a lot of things that we hear as a young man as we grow up that's supposed to be right. But then there's so much that we see that's wrong. Mm -hmm. And then when that wrong's coming from the matriarch, Oh man! we got a problem mm-hmm. as as a black man and trying to find the truth and trying to find some right because that matriarch that we're supposed to get that from because we ain't got no daddy,
4: where are we going to get that from all right that's what that's why we've got to go back to God, who will never lie to us, never let us down never that's that's where we have to that's what he always wants us to do is to seek him out as you were talking, I was thinking about there was there was a a mother in scripture that that had some some you know some ways about her. Uh, you heard about Jacob and Esau, mm-hmm. as their father is dying, he's he's planning to give a blessing to Esau, uh, but he sends Esau out to work, and Jacob's mom tells him, hey, why don't you go, go in there and get your blessing. She sneakily advises him to steal his brother's blessing. Brother gets back. I came for my blessing. That is I already gave it away again. It doesn't. We're not saying this to put down all women. You know, they're great moms, and all this kind of thing. But it is to say that all of us have a flaw that we can only find the truth, the unadulterated, unabridged truth from God. He puts us all in line. Great job. (laughs) That's it, and that's all for
0: us today. We'll be back tomorrow. I think Isaiah Thomas is supposed to join us tomorrow. All right, uh, let's hear some tomorrow. We'll hear some freedom, and we'll get out of here. We'll see you
1: tomorrow. I thought we was going to end on some. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the
4: breakdown, standing in line. Freedom, looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom.
1: No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just want to have freedom. Sitting on a corner, never been alone. i am breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving, all deceiving. We all want to be free. We want freedom. I just fall, I want.